All right, please look with me in Psalm 95. Let's study the Word of God together here. As we look, let's, let me read this psalm to you, then let's look at this psalm and see what it has to say to us practically. Verse number 1, Psalm 95, verse 1. The Word of God says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with, sing, with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. The sea is His, and He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their heart. They have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. I want you to focus on verse number 6. The psalmist said, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Would you pray with me once more? Father, may thy servant expound the Scriptures correctly and wisely and skillfully. Help me, I pray, to articulate the truth, but most of all to glorify Thee and to edify the saints. We love You, and we're depending upon You this morning. Father, we can read and study and pray and prepare, but Lord, without Your presence and Your good hand, it seems like everything seems to fall to the ground. I pray that it would not be so today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When you read through the Psalms, you are reading through the words and the thoughts and the feelings of a man who learned how to worship God in private before his songbook ever became public. And I think that if you're ever going to be a true worshiper of God, it starts in private, it starts at home, it starts in the heart. David out there in the, in the pastures taking care of those sheep. And somehow in some way he would, he would be able to write down his thoughts and, and pin them down. And he had no idea that one day it would become his nation's songbook and really the world's songbook. He had no idea. He wasn't writing to try to get published and, and, and have it produced in order to make millions of dollars. His desire was simply to write down his thoughts and intents of his heart toward God. And before he became a warrior, he was a worshiper. And I believe that if you learn how to be a good worshiper of God, that you will also become a great warrior for God in the battles that you will face. 
And you'll find here that uh, David gives us here, and I want to say concerning the subject of worship in this psalm, we have an invitation to worship. If you're taking notes, we have an invitation to worship here in this psalm. Then David gives us the ingredients of worship in this psalm. Then he ends it with the intent of worship, which is twofold in this psalm. Very clear, I think, in the Word of God here. So I want you to notice here when he says we have an invitation to worship. Did you notice? He said in verse number 6, he says, O come, let us worship. This is an invitation. And by the way, the word worship, I told you four times, I'll tell you again, it's a very consecrated word in the Bible. Now that word today has become a very casual and common word. We say things like we're having a worship service or we're having a worship team or we have a worship leader. We, have a, we just kind of kick that word around like the word anointed. We kind of kick that word around. But it's a word that is a consecrated word because worship is a consecrated act before God. And not only does the Lord demand that we worship Him, He also desires that you worship Him. But also He is due our worship. Do you understand that? He is due our worship. Look over in Psalm 96. Look in verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, Give unto the Lord. And you can do this. It's not dependent upon your education or your wealth or your social status. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. Psalm 29, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So here we have an invitation for all of us to come together. Private worship took place in David's life. Yes, it did. Before it ever became public, it was private. And before yours ever becomes public, it needs to be attended to in the private chambers of your home and in your heart. Whether you be outside in the backyard or whether you be driving down the road or whether you be in your bedroom or whether you be in your living room, wherever it is where Jesus said that we ought to kind of have a closet where we've got everything turned off and tuned out so that we can communicate with God, so that we can worship Him from our hearts. God wants that from me. God wants that from you. He desires that. He is due that. And the Bible says here that, but however... David, he says here, let us worship. And he's talking about you and I coming together to worship the Lord. And if you feel uncomfortable with the subject of public worship, it must be because you're uncomfortable with private worship. And if you work on the private worship, you won't be as nervous about the public worship. But notice a second thing here. We have the ingredients of worship. I have found this to be true in my studies over the past several months about the subject of worship. Sometimes it's better illustrated than it is defined. However, there are two ingredients of worship that must be present in order for it to be acceptable to God. Jesus said, 
to the woman at the well that you must. Now, he said to Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. He said to the woman at the well, to worship God, you must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Your human spirit, your passion, your heart, your emotions, everything that is within you that feels and senses and communicates with God. God says, I want what you love to be me. As a matter of fact, He asks and commands that we love Him more than we love anyone. And more than we love anything. He wants to be, and even over in the church there in the book of Revelation, we are told there under the leadership of the Holy Ghost by the Apostle John that they had left their first love. And He is to be our first love. And he, So that spirit, that's the internal part of man worshiping God. But He says you must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now that's been throughout the ages. That's not just now. That's not just in the days of Jesus. That was all throughout the time of man. That He would be engaged with God in His heart. God is not interested in the just the words coming from my lips if my heart is far from Him. He is not interested in that. He's not interested in any amount of sacrifices you offer to Him if it is not from your heart. He wants heart-felt love from you, spirit, but also truth. So I would look at this as, first of all, internal, from my heart, my spirit, And the other area is my intellect, my mind, my knowledge, my understanding of truth about God. God is not interested in just my expression of emotions. God wants my education about Him. He wants me to have some knowledge of Him. That I know who I'm worshiping. I know a little bit about who I am coming before. That's why it is so essential for parents moms and dads, that we never, ever misrepresent the true and living God to our children. God will prove you to be a liar. If you misrepresent Him, He'll prove you to be a liar. God is who He is, not who you think Him to be or who you promote Him to be. He is who He is. It would be a shame if our children had to escape our home in order to discover the true and living God. What a shame that would be. Amen? Amen. Let us not ever misrepresent Him in our homes and in our hearts before our children, our husbands, and our wives. But you'll find here that there are some ingredients here that He gives us. Worship. As described by a great worshiper. Some of these things are included at different times of worship. Different opportunities of worship. You'll look with me here in Psalm 95. Look with me if you would as David mentions these words in the subject of worship. He says in verse number 1, he mentions the word sing or singing. Does singing matter to God? Does He love singing? He doesn't love all singing, does He? But He loves certain kinds of singing. 
If there's anything that you can do, even if your lips could not move, you could actually sing to God from your heart. You could do that. Singing and making melody in your heart to God. And so David said, let us come before His presence. Many times he says this with what? With singing. He said, well, I'm not comfortable singing. Practice at home. Practice at home. Make an effort when you come here to pick up that songbook and look at those words and say those songs from your heart. We sang that first song we sang this morning. What a great Savior we have about Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, I'm telling you, that song had some tremendous truth in it. You ought to be able to sing that song unto the Lord and mean that from your heart. But come before His presence with singing. Did you know that David is one of the ones who was really, really responsible for introducing singing and music into worship around the tabernacle and eventually into the temple of God? He was so enthralled about this particular element of worship that they actually employed 4,000, 4,000 people into a choir, divided them up in 24 courses, set them up with 12 leaders, and they all had their particular time around the temple or the, the, the tabernacle at that time, the tent he had set up in Jerusalem where the Ark of the Covenant was. He set up these singers to be able to play their instruments, and to sing. In other words, when one would get through, the other one had a shift. When they were done, another one had a shift. And so if you think about it, when he went into Jerusalem, you're probably going to hear singing and praise and music around the Ark of the Covenant that was inside the tent there in Jerusalem. And it was to be done continually. David believed that God was worthy of praise and worship 24-7. Maybe that's why God liked him. Maybe that's why God liked him. The Bible says God liked David. Now listen, I know God loves me, but I would, I would want him to like me too. There's some people I love that I don't like. Really. I don't like some of their ways. Don't like their personality or their disposition, but I love them and I would help them any way I possibly could. But I might not want to hang out with them all the time. But I'm saying that this was an ingredient, the singing. David was an amazing man. I know he had his faults, but you know what? He loved God and he worshiped God and he was never, ever ashamed or afraid to express his worship toward God. The singing... And then he says, let us come before his presence there with thanksgiving, make a joyful noise. You know, verse 1, he talks about making a joyful noise. He tells you, and listen, that's not just racket. Okay, that joyful noise, he says, you make that with psalms. That joyful noise was with the psalms. And many of these psalms, had he had put music to these psalms. These psalms were like, Poems, they were like stories. They were like things that would instruct you about the knowledge of God. There's one thing powerful about songs. There, there are, they, Hollywood, excuse me, 
not, not Hollywood, but uh, our, our world, that the market media, they know the power of songs. They know a little jingle that you'll remember from back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. If, they, if we played a few tunes, you'd say, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, I know what they're selling. Because they understood the power of songs. And God gave Moses a song before he took Moses out. Moses gave him a song about this long for them to learn about their history. Because songs embed in your heart and in your mind. When you sometimes can't remember a sermon, you can remember a song. And that's why those songs need to have truth in them. And the Bible says here that he says, Come before the Lord with, with psalms, joyful noises. Remember, when Nehemiah came before the king, he noticed that his countenance was sad and he had not been aforetime. When they came in the presence of the king, there was to be some joy. There was to be no mood swings. There was to be the fact that the king deserved your very best every day that you showed up. And when you come before the Lord, regardless of what's going on in your life, He is worthy of the very best that you can give Him concerning your heart, your attitude, and your spirit. Sometimes you may feel like that you're like a lighthouse in a storm and everything is dashing and bashing around you, but He is still worthy for you to shine and for you to praise Him and to sing unto Him. I know it's not easy to sing with a heavy heart. That's why the Bible, the book of Proverbs says, it's really not good for you to go around trying to, when somebody's really in a state of depression and discouragement, for you not to be trying to sing to them at that moment. But I'll tell you, it'll be good for you if you will take a song and sing it unto the Lord. But let me just say this. He says, so we can do this, can't we? Can't we come before the Lord here at East River with, um, with singing? Can't we uh, come and bring uh, the hymn book and the psalm book? The Bible says we're to sing with spiritual songs and with hymns, making melody in our hearts under the Lord. Can't we do that together? But then he also says, come before the Lord with thanksgiving. That's before you get here. You ought to come before the Lord with thanksgiving. God is worthy of our thanksgiving. You can be thankful for something in your life that God has done for you, is doing with you and to you. But you'll notice something else. That, that is really kind of our spirit, our singing, our psalms, our thanksgiving. But you'll notice in verse 3, I said one part is internal, the other part is intellect. It has to do with you acknowledging the truth about God. Well, God wants you to understand who He is. The song is really true. The longer you serve Him, the sweeter He grows. And the more you learn of Him. The Bible says here in verse 3, look at this. Can you acknowledge this this morning? For the Lord is a great God. How many of y'all can say amen to that? Did you know that amen is part of worship? And you just did that? Didn't hurt, did it? All right. It says, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. And His hand are the deep places of the earth. And there He's referring to the fact that He is our creator. He controls the creation too, by the way. Worry not what the meteorologists say. Have faith in God. Amen. You say, well, I'm worried about one of those meteorites getting too close to the earth and just blowing us up. And man, we just don't know. I ain't got to worry about it. I don't say how close they come. 
I'm not saying a small one wouldn't ever hit the planet and hurt somebody, but I'm telling you, it's not going to destroy this earth. Amen. Say, yeah, but you know, the sun's doing this and the polar caps are doing this. Don't worry about all that stuff. You serve the true and living God. He's not only did he create it, he's got it under control. If you really want to cause as a young person, man, don't get caught up in all of that, all of that trying to save the planet. You need to try to save your own soul and the the souls of other men and women. If you want a real cause and a real purpose, don't strap yourself to a tree. Amen. Don't be chasing the whales. Man, learn your Bible. Love Him and tell folks how great God is and that, that there, is a, there is a hell. Acknowledge Him. Look in Psalm 96 and verse number 4. Notice this carefully. The Bible says, For the Lord, 96 verse 4, For the Lord is great. That's a fact. And greatly to be what? Praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are what? They're idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. I believe this. Verse 9 of 96, verse 10, it says, O worship the Lord, the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. And look at verse number 10. Say among the heathen. Tell them that the Lord reigns. God's in control. So when somebody gets all worked up at where you work or in your family meetings or whatever, and somebody gets all bent out of shape, it's okay to look at them and say, and you know that they're heathen because they don't believe. You can look at them with confidence and say, my God reigns and He is in control of this thing. Things are not falling apart. Things are falling into place. You need to understand that you're playing checkers and he's playing chess. You need to understand that you are the creature and he's the creator and his thoughts are far beyond ours and yours. I cannot explain God, but I can sure can adore him and worship him. But you notice here, he tells us these are some of the elements or the ingredients of worship. And I love the fact that he says, our maker and our God. Amen to that. Now you find he gives us some of the outward expressions of inward thoughts and beliefs. And please, believe me when I tell you this, I am not trying to get you to do something you're not comfortable with. I'm not trying to get you to do anything by way of manipulation. I I despise preachers who do that. I'm not a guilt inducer. That's what some guys are to manipulate people's minds and hearts. I believe if I tell you the truth and the Spirit bears witness in your heart that it is the truth, then whatever happens, whether it be rejoicing in the truth or conviction comes, that's up to God in you. I believe that. But the outward expression of, of, of inward worship does show itself in acts of humility. It may not be necessarily something that you prefer to do in public, but at some point you might. And if someone in the church does, you need not be nervous about it. Now the Bible says here, look, notice what he says in Psalm 95. Look in verse 6 and 7. He said, oh, come, let us worship. And then what's that next phrase? Bow down. Usually if we're bowing down here, it's normally at the altar. Acknowledging that he is the true and living God. 
And that He is able to help us with our burdens and we come and we cast our care upon Him. Is that right? It's a good thing to watch people bow down before the Lord. Some folks get nervous and think there is no need for an altar or anything of of an altar call in a church. But it's good for people to humble themselves and bow down before the Lord. It's a good thing to kneel down before Him. You'll notice He says, let us bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. That's a good thing. Sometimes you may say in your heart, well, I don't have to go to the altar to pray and get right with God. You're exactly right. But it may be the Holy Spirit prompts your heart and say, why don't you show me some humility today? (laughs) He might tell you, I'll meet you at the altar. (laughs) He just may do that just because of your pride. He may do that. Other expressions of this is a bowing of the head. The lifting of the hands. You see, that's all Old Testament stuff. Obviously, you don't read your Bible. 1 Timothy 2 says that we should come before the Lord lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. How about that? New Testament verse. And so, yes, it's all right to show an expression of humility and worship to the Lord. And our voices saying amen to the truth about God. These are expressions. Now you can do all those things and it absolutely have no impact upon God if your heart's not in it. God wants the heart before He wants the hands. Last of all, in this passage we have the intent of worship. Twofold. Number one is to honor the Lord. We're all in agreement to that. Verse 6 and 7. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. That is us honoring Him for who He is. We are to love Him and to honor Him. And by the way, that is to be done exclusively. He does not share His worship with other gods. He does not share your love with other things and other God. He alone must be the object and subject of our worship. Exclusive. Again, look in Psalm 96 and verse 3 when I say that. Look at this. He said, Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all the people, for the Lord is great, greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. Look in Psalm 99 verse 6. He comments on this. Alright. Psalm 99 verse 6. Our Lord. Look in verse number 5 and verse number 6. He said, Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at His footstool for He is holy. Now the reason I'm using this verse is in contrast. Idols. Idols. Every idol has a devil behind it. Every idol has a devil behind it. Do you understand that? Please understand it. Every idol is a perversion of the true and living God. There is a demon spirit behind it. Every false prophet, every false preacher has a spirit behind him of either truth or error. And every idol has a demon behind it to influence your mind, your imagination, and your thoughts about God. 
So idols are not a small thing in the eyes of the Lord. And in contrast, Psalm 115 says the idols, they have eyes that cannot see. They have ears that cannot hear. They have hands that cannot help. And I want to say unto you, that's not like my God. My God can see. And my God can hear. And my God can help. And He can turn things around and He can do things in my life that I cannot do for myself. And He said those who worship idols are likened unto them. They don't see clearly. They don't hear what they ought to hear. And they can't help. The Bible says here in Psalm... And look, look, this is what He's talking about in Psalm 99 verse 6. talking about the contrast... Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. Now I can testify that has been true in my life. David said, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice. Verse 7 says, he spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies in the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answered them, O Lord our God. That is the true and the living God. I think God, uh, turn back over to Psalm 95 with me, please. I think God does have a little bit of a sense of humor. You kids, I encourage you to read your Bible. It's entertaining. Not only is it edifying, it's entertaining. Years before this, the Philistines had a God named Dagon. One time when Israel was judged by God, they lost control of what they called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a box-shaped instrument that had the cherubims over it where the mercy seat was, and there were certain elements inside of it, but it represented the presence of God. Now, that Ark of Covenant, there's weird stuff about that Ark of the Covenant. I'm really, it, it, it represented the power of God. And when the Philistines got a hold of it, they said, Hey, our God is greater than their God. Our God is more powerful than their God. So they took the Ark of the Covenant. They took it down to Dagon's house where they had Dagon set up. with he, Sort of like a, like a Buddha, whatever. Some kind of a head and hands and face. And they take the Ark of the Covenant and they set it beside Dagon. And then they go in the next day and Dagon is laying in the floor. The Ark of the Covenant is still sitting there. So they have to take their God, just like many people do, and prop their God up and defend Him. Set Him back up there, okay? So they come back the next morning. Now He's laying back down there again, and His head's gone, and His arms are cut off. And they looked at that Ark of the Covenant and said, Man, the God of the Jews is more powerful than our God. Let's get rid of this thing. And some folks, rather than change, would rather get rid of the true and living God. And so... They put it on an ark. And, they, and by the way, God, whenever they mess with the ark, God, the Bible said, the Philistines, the whole nation was, stri- was stricken with what is called emeralds. Now, I'm not being ugly. God put that in the Bible. They had hemorrhoids. The true and living God was a pain in their behind. That's pretty plain spoken, isn't it? And they wanted to get rid of him. And brother, I'm going to tell you this ark, but I'm just telling you that God seems to have a sense of humor that he is more powerful and living and can see and can hear and can do. It's my God. That's my God. I'm glad that I can cast my care upon him because he cares for me.
The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open unto their prayers. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. That's the God that I serve. But you'll notice now the intent here is twofold, to honor the Lord. The other intent is to hear the Lord. A worship service is in this direction first, and then the second part of that direction is this direction. Your worship is to prepare your your heart, is to prepare your ears. That will impact your feet and your hands. That's why if you worship God, it'll keep your heart tender and your feet in the path of God. When you get away from worshiping God, I promise you, I promise you, you'll start to drift. Not only that, and I'm going to prove it to you, your heart will become hard. Then you will be deceived by sin. When you are deceived by sin, you will say, you'll do something stupid and wrong and unbiblical, and you'll look at me and you'll say, but it didn't bother me. It doesn't trouble me. That's what the deceitfulness of sin does. It hardens your heart. You do something wrong. You do something. And listen, there's something about sin. It always hurts people. Everything that God commanded us not to do is because it hurts and damages other people. You say, now I just kind of keep mine to myself. You are deceived. It's like leprosy. It might be hide itself for a while on the inside, but it's going to work its way out. And it always damages other people. Always. And usually the innocent around you. Always. Look at this passage and I'm done. Notice what he says here. And again, we're just looking at the Word of God about the intent of worship is to honor the Lord, to listen to Him, and to hear the Lord. Look in verse 8. Well, let's back up to verse 7. For He is our God, we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, the purpose of worship is for you. He's heard your voice of worship. Now He wants you to hear His voice. He's got something to say. You worship in private, I promise you, He'll speak to your heart. He'll have something to say. It's not a one-way street, Brother Craig. I promise you. He's not the only one getting something out of this. You're going to get something out of this. But look what He says. Harden not your heart. As in the provocation, He's referring to history. So again, it's according to you having some knowledge, some intellect of truth. He's talking about when Israel, God manifested Himself, showed Himself greatly to the nation of Israel. He said, man, we're fixing to go over and take the land. They sent 12 spies over. Ten came over and said, they're too big. We can't fight them. Two of them said, we can. Our God is able. They turned their back on God. And God said, okay, I'm going to let you, I'm going to drag you around in the wilderness for 40 years. I'm going to teach you a lesson. And we're going to wait and bury. They had funerals every day for 40 years. They were burying people for 40 years waiting. And no doubt, no problem, was it, it was uh, Caleb and Joshua said, man, I wish you'd hurry up and die so we can get across the other side. It's your turn. Let's go. And God said, listen, this would not have happened if you had not hardened your heart and if you would have just listened to me. We could have avoided this. You could avoid a lot of heartache if you would humble yourself before God. 
and listen to Him. I mean really listen to Him. Look what He says. He says in verse 9, When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work, forty years long was I agreed with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. And you'll find no rest outside God's will. You won't. You can't fill it with anything the world can give you. You just can't. You can try. But it won't work. That's why some of you have to have something in your ears at night because you, or something before your head before you go to sleep because you don't want to think. You don't want your conscience and God talking to you. You just want to drift off to sleep. Or you try to take something that will put you to sleep because you don't want to think before you go to sleep. You can get away from us, but you can't get away from God. Quickly, look with me one more place and then we'll go to the house. Look in Hebrews chapter 3. This passage is repeated in Hebrews chapter number 3. Hebrews chapter number 3, and it has to do with worship. Look in Hebrews chapter number 1, and I'll prove it to you, then we'll go to chapter 3. Are you all still with me? All right. David has given us an invitation to worship in Psalm 95. We should come before His presence with singing, with thanksgiving with a joyful noise. In Hebrews, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 1, and then he gives us the the, uh, ingredients of worship. But notice here in Hebrews chapter 1, here he's talking about, I love this passage right here, guys. I'm telling you. This is one of the most precious passages in the Word of God. It's where it says in Hebrews 1 that God spoke to Israel at various ways in the Old Testament. I mean, various ways, dreams, visions, prophets, all kinds of ways. But he said in these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son. And then in this passage, he indicates here that Jesus Christ was and is the very express image of God. Look in verse 3. Who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, that means the exact Replica, duplication of Him. You remember John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then in verse number 14, praise the Lord, it says, And the Word was made flesh. That was the manifestation of of godliness. There was, when you saw Jesus Christ, you saw the Father. He was the express image of God. I think it's the book of Colossians says He was the visible image of the invisible God. Say, how do you explain that? I don't. I just preach it. The Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifest in the flesh. But look in verse 6. Again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he said, and let all the angels of God worship him. The angels were to fall down and bow down and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in chapter number 3 with me quickly, please. You need to hear the Lord today. Every time you come to church, you need to listen to Him. I don't just listen to Him at church. Or when I go to a camp meeting or a Bible conference or read a book. 
or to listen to him on tape or preaching. Brother Craig, I listen to him after I get through talking to him. When I bow my knee and I listen, I don't just talk to him, I listen. If he's got something to say to my inner man, inner spirit, I try my best to listen to him and to discern his voice from every other voice that comes my way. But look in Hebrews chapter 3 quickly. Let us glean from this and understand this. All of us in this room are in great danger of drifting when we stop listening. I don't care who you are. Hebrews 3 verse 7. This again is from what we just read in the Psalms. Verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith. So if you worry about your inspiration of your Bible, he is saying the same thing that he said in the book of Psalms thousands of years before. The Holy Ghost said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work, how did they tempt him and prove him? Well, they just kind of bowed up on him. They got stubborn. They went their own ways instead of listening to what he had to say. That, 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 that uh, tempts the Lord to just vaporize you. When you tempt the Lord, when you test Him like that, you grieve Him. Verse 10 says, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. But here's the warning to us today in the New Testament church. He said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. And by the way, no matter your, if you're saved today and you start to doubt that Bible, you are sinning against God. You are, you are developing a heart of unbelief. And what it will then happen is you will depart from the living God. That means you're going to turn to some dead gods and some idols that you have formed in your heart and mind. Verse 13 we need each other's help with this. I need you to push on me. You need me to push on you. Every once in a while, some of us need jump started. Every once in a while, some of us need kick started. Bam! Get going in the right direction. But I would do it out of love, as we should. The Bible says we should exhort one another daily. That's how easy it is to slide back and, and the, the heart to harden. It can happen daily. Exhort one another daily while it is called today, unless any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Well, I tell you what, when you get away from God, you can hate the people that you once loved. You can destroy the people that you once said that you would live with and walk with for all of your days. You can harm your precious children. You can break the heart of your mother and father. You can break the heart of your husband and wife because your heart gets hard. When you worship the true and living God, He softens it. And when you love Him, He gives you the ability to love those around you who are hard to love. 
It starts in this direction. You say, man, if he would just, or she would just straighten up. But really, if you just straighten up and go in this direction, it will help you to love the people who don't straighten up. The intent of worship is to honor Him and to hear Him. So if you drift, you'll be deadened in your heart and you'll be deceived by sin. So I ask you this question tonight, this morning, and I'm done. Do I love Him? And when I'm invited to come worship, do I accept the invitation and come with singing, with thanksgiving, with being willing to listen to what He has to say? Am I willing to come with some humility in my heart and say, God, Thou art worthy? You saved me. You sent Your Son to die for me. Yes, Lord, I'll pick up my songbook. Look in Hebrews 2 and verse 12, last verse for today. Yes, Lord, I'll pick up that songbook and I'll sing about Him. The Bible says in verse 12, saying, I will declare Thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto Thee. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus there. Do I love Him? And do I listen to Him? Did you know that one of the oldest and first published American hymns that came out in 1819, written by George Atkins. He penned these words and said, Brethren, we have met to worship and to adore the Lord our God. Is that what you do? Can you focus when you get in that car and you head this direction? Can you kind of push out the distractions because they will come? The discouragements, but they will come. The thoughts will come. Can you push all those aside and say, Lord, let us come together and let us worship you and adore you for thou art worthy. And you may find that if you'll do that, in spite of all of your heartaches, you may find that God may have a word for you. If you'll listen to his voice. Let's stand together please. Thank you for listening so intently this morning. For being engaged in the service. Thank you for that. You've encouraged my heart. When you come to services at East River Baptist Church. May you come with an attitude of gratitude. May you come. Understanding this. This is not about us. It's about him. And listening to his voice. Letting God speak to our hearts. God, forgive me for not listening. I can sense that my heart is getting hard. I'm getting dead toward my feelings, toward other people. I don't want to be like that. God, forgive me and help me. Would you pray with me about that right now? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word, the psalm that David gave us, who invited us with him into worship who gave us some of the ingredients of worship and then showed us the intent of worship that we would honor you and hear your voice. Would you touch the heart of that teenager and that young adult, that mom and dad, that husband and wife who has begun to drift? Lord, I pray they would humble themselves and draw nigh unto thee. And since the danger 
And Lord, how much they need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.